All right, so we are going to talk about Kenny Burrell, but first I need to set the stage for what we're going to be dealing with today. Because we're dealing with Kenny Burrell and we're dealing with Donald Byrd, and they have something in common that is very dear to me. Uh, when I left Florida in 1970, I wound up in Erie, Pennsylvania, band director at uh, Wilson Junior High School. And, of course, that first weekend, I wanted to know, um, where can I go play? I need to play some jazz. What can I do? And I met this guy at one of the uh, hip music stores. There were two or three stores there, very active uh, arts community in here in those days. And uh, this guy, Dick Bullard, says, you need to go down to Jethro's Steakhouse. And that's where you want to go. Well, I found Jethro's Steakhouse. And the first thing I determined is that Jethro's Steakhouse was not a steakhouse at all. Jethro's Steakhouse only served ribs. So now you understand that this is in the hood, so we call it. It is in the black neighborhood. So a steak is a rib, okay? And they had this group playing, and it was kind of like an organ trio. That was Papa, Jimmy Smith and Jack McDuff and all that kind of stuff going on there. And uh, my friend uh, Jack Tarr was on the organ and tenor sax, and Wild Bill was on the drums, and Ernie was on the baritone sax, and we're just playing good time music, man. The crowd was always jam-packed, people drinking, eating, having a good time, dancing and listening to jazz, doing all this to jazz. This is 1970. Not hip-hop, not, you know, rap, not jazz. And it's special kind of jazz, this kind of organ trio jazz, this kind of funky bluesy jazz, baby. And so I fell in love, and I, I did that for quite some time until I um, started my own little funk band and went over to the dark side and started playing funk. Hmm. But during that time, during that baptism that I had at Jethro Steakhouse, I discovered Jimmy Smith and some other great organ players. And in that particular uh, area, uh, especially Jimmy Smith, there was always this burning blues guitar and I came to know that that performer was known as Kenny Burrell. Well now, where'd he come from? Why he sound like that? Well, Kenny Burrell was born in 1931 in Detroit. I know you all say it different. I'm gonna say Detroit. That's how the brother said, Detroit. And his uh, parents, both parents, actually played instruments. They were amateur musicians, so he grew up in a musical home. There uh, wasn't a lot of money around. And um, he listened to this and listened to that, and he kind of checked things out and uh, was getting interested in music, but only as a listener. And uh, he discovered Charlie Christian early on. He liked that, but his heart was to play the saxophone. But we were in the middle of wars in, at, at that time. He's born in 31, so by the time he's 12, uh, we're, you know, like 43, so we got a shortage of metal. We, we need to make, you know, stuff for war. Saxophones were, you know, very, very expensive. So he decided, well, we, we can't make too many machines of war out of wood, so maybe I'll try the guitar. And uh, since his brother was in the service, his brother sent him $5, and he saved up $5, and he went and bought himself a Stella guitar, a pretty cheap guitar, but it, it, it got him started. 
And as he recalled in a live interview I checked out with him, um, he practiced this guitar so much that he wore the wood out between the frets. Of course, the frets are metal. You're not going to wear them out with your, with, your, with your fingers. But you can wear that wood out with perspiration. And it's a pressure of hammering on that uh, instrument, especially with the metal strings beating onto the metal. So, onto the wood, rather. So, being poor, not being able to afford another guitar, he came up with an idea that maybe if he put a few coats of paint, he could fill in all the divots and all the buzzing and stuff would stop and he'd be all right. Well, unfortunately for him, he was in too big of a hurry to get back to playing. And uh, although the top coat <laughs> seemed to be dry, a couple of the undercoats were not. And as soon as he stung it up and tried to play, the undercoats broke through. He's got paint all over his hand. He's got paint all over the neck and body of the guitar, all over the strings, all over the frets. Long story short, end of Stella guitar. <laughs> oh my God, what am I gonna do? So he goes out and he drapes up enough money to buy himself another guitar, a little bit better guitar this time. Uh, this is gonna be a K. And uh, K made different in decent instruments. They made nice guitars for a long, long time. And some of their old acoustic basses are pound for pound about the best money you can spend on a very old bass. K basses are, are valuable, but jazz players especially. So he got himself a K guitar and he went to town. Uh, his early influences were like uh, Charlie Christian, of course, for that single old stuff that he did. And then Oscar Moore, who was guitarist, with um, Nat King Cole. He loved Oscar Moore's chords, man, the way he, the, just the harmonies he created, the density, the beauty, the variety, the way he could play chordal melodies and stuff. Oh, that just had him so excited, he loved that. And then he loved Django Reinhardt for his creativity, for how you can take an instrument and then personalize your approach to that instrument for your own personality and sensibilities. So those three, Charlie Christian, Oscar Moore, and Django Reinhardt became the catalyst for him developing uh, his own uh, style. So he's playing, he goes to Cash Tech, which is a lot of musicians uh, coming out of Detroit went to Cash Tech. Everybody uh, went there, we know, from PC to Donald Byrd to Yusuf Latif, I believe. Uh, you know, black musicians, white musicians, everybody went to Cast Tech. Uh, great music program, great teacher, and uh, obviously a great uh, 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 legacy of success in creating uh, groundbreaking musicians. So after Cast Tech, uh, you would think that he would uh, uh, go on the road, like most uh, young black musicians who didn't have a whole lot of money uh, would do. They'd go on the money, make some uh, I'm on the road, rather, and make some money playing. Uh, not Kenny Burrell. He wanted more knowledge. He was already studying harmony and theory and all of that. 
and he wanted to continue working and he studied classical guitar as well. And in studying classical guitar, uh, he developed all this technique and by studying uh, theory and harmony, uh, he learned to build his own chords and substitutions and things like that. So he's really getting into it. He was into it so much that while a freshman at Wayne State, he actually played with and recorded with Dizzy Gillespie. Okay, this is the, the, the high priest of bebop. Yeah. But that didn't stop him from going to school. He played with Dizzy, he recorded with Dizzy, and he went right back to school. He recorded an album. Uh, I remember uh, the Rose was one of the tunes. The other side was called Ground Round. It's like a real good hamburger, yeah. So um, it was a local label, so he didn't get a whole lot of uh, uh, press out of that, except locally, but it helped to give him more gigs uh, in Detroit and in the surrounding area while he is pursuing uh, this degree. Uh, as soon as he finished his degree, somewhere around um, 1955, I guess, because he played with Diz in 51. So about 55, uh, he goes on the road with Oscar Peterson. And that's, that, that's high cotton there, man. Oscar's a bad cat, and he, at that time his uh, trio was uh, bass, guitar, and, uh, and, and piano, so the guitar player had to be, had to be strong, because Oscar's amazing. And... There is a young, what, 21-year-old, Kenny Burrell, playing the greatest jazz trio of the day. But he still didn't stop. He kept going and decided he needed more education. So he ended up moving uh, to New York to play, but also to continue his education. I'm going to keep talking about this. Continue his education. This is a new way of doing it for jazz musicians. At Manhattan School of Music. Oh, yeah. And while he's there, he's continuing to play with everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh... He even got to hold down Charlie Christian's seat in the Benny Goodman Orchestra for a couple of years in the 50s. Oh, yeah. We're talking about a really, really accomplished musician, but also a composer and arranger and educator. We're going to find out about his education chops as well. So... He goes to New York, to Manhattan, but he also takes his buddy Tommy Flanagan with him. And as they're playing gigs and going to school and all that, Blue Note discovers them and signs them to a contract. And within months, Kenny Morell's got his first album out there with Blue Note. And he stays with them for years and years and years and years and years, uh, although he recorded with Verve. 
and uh, Concord and Pablo and many, many others. But his start was uh, with Bruno. And he's also playing. He's a very sensitive guitar, very versatile guitarist. So he got to play with singers a lot, including the great Tommy, oh sorry, Bennett, Tony Bennett. And the versatile Lena Horn, which means he had to be versatile because he's working with these big top of the industry performers who are vocalists, male and female. And he's also in the recording studio with Biddy Holiday and Kenny Dorham and people like that playing the hard Bob jazz of the day and Bob. So he has a wide range of things that he can do and because of that he is constantly, did I say constantly? He is constantly in demand and he's educated so he can read, he can write, he can play all kinds of styles, he can flat pick, he can finger pick, he studied uh, classical guitar. This guy does it all. But you know what he did better than anything else as far as I'm concerned? He could play the blues. Because if you were a black person in Detroit, one thing you had to be able to play is the blues because there were a lot of clubs in Detroit just like Jethro Steakhouse in Erie, Pennsylvania, where people came with their sit and drink and have a good time, maybe dance a little bit, and just really entertain themselves to jazz. So he could do it all. Yeah, he could do it all. As his journey continues for all the recordings he's doing, a uh, recording called The Cats, uh, John Coltrane, you really want to get that one. Um, all the work he did with Jimmy Smith, that uh, organ grinder swing, one of the biggest uh, recorders uh, ever done with an organ trio. Um, that's very, very important. Um, and um, uh, of course, on those albums, they had the great uh, saxophonist um, uh, Stanley Tarantine uh, working. And so you know, he did a lot of great work with a lot of great people. Gene Ammons, you know, just on and on and on. He even did uh, orchestral work uh, with Gil uh, guitar. So that Midnight Guitar album and the Cats, uh, those are probably two I would say go after first if you want to really check out some uh, Kenny Morrell and most certainly any of the Jimmy Smith uh, album that he is featured on starting with the uh, organ grinder swing. So as he continues this great performing career and traveling and doing his thing, and as he continues to record and do a lot of studio work, somehow he ends up in California. And in 1978, he started teaching a course at UCLA called El Antonio. And it's all things Ellington. He always loved Ellington. He's an authority on Ellington. Not just Ellington's life, but his arranging style, his compositional style. Some of the hitting Easter eggs they planted inside of every arrangement, every uh, composition. And um, 
It was mutual admiration because Ellington referred to Kenny Burrell as his favorite guitar player. Now the funny thing is, is there's some sources that will say that um, they never met, they never collaborated, yet they had this love. And uh, Kenny Burrell continued to teach this uh, course in Ellingtonia right up to the very day, and he's in his 90s. Um, the thing is, um, uh, they did meet. Uh, they met um, back uh, on one recording for a radio station, and uh, the radio program um, was recorded, and Ellington was on the gig, and so was Kenny Burrell. So, according to Kenny Burrell, although they did not do a lot together, they did meet one time for that one occasion, but the love and admiration continued for them. UCLA. He's still there. He went from teaching one course there to being the head of the jazz education department, which is also a part of the uh, music, uh, uh, ethnomusicology uh, department. So it, it, it is taught from an uh, African-American perspective, of course. Um, but he's done that. And some of the great uh, uh, musicians that he has uh, mentored over the years include uh, Kamase uh, Washington and I think Bobby Humphreys as well because, uh, you know, this is kind of like uh, what uh, he did with his life. He wanted to be a bridge builder and to educate the next generation. And anytime someone has an, an interest in this music, he's willing to sit down there and teach them through rigor and truth what this music is, how valuable it is, and how to do it the right way. Um, he took over the department in 1996, and although he had this big, big load of teaching and administering the program, in 1998, he wrote, composed, arranged, and performed on Dear Ella, by D.D. Bridgewater, which won a Grammy. Yeah, he was still active, you know. He can do both things. He, he, he could keep going because he always did. 2004, Downbeat gave him an award for Jazz Educator of the Year, 2004. Jazz Educator of the Year. And uh, 2005, uh, National Endowment of the Arts gave him a Jazz Master's Award, which is the highest honor you can get in this country. So we're talking about a guy from Detroit who can show enough play the blues, baby, but he can play anything. He just chooses to be true to his roots and keep the blues happening. Guess what? Kenny Burrell is still with us. And he is still doing his thing. He has health problems, heart problems, that. But every day he wakes up, he's still preaching the sermon of jazz education. So hats off to a guy who told us what was coming, the future, how we step into the future. Get a good education. Learn all you can about music, and then your career can be enhanced greatly. Mr. Kenny Burrell, thank you very much.